Welcome to the Bruins Benders podcast. It is episode 11. And thank you again for joining us. We are sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. You can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and also follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. We are now in a new home, the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink and get all sorts of great hockey news and insights and other great podcasts from around the league. And you can follow us on social media at BruinsBenders.com. Email us at BruinsBenders at gmail.com. And we have another sponsor, the good folks at BetUS. Um, They're friends of Inside the Rink. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. That's, That's a lot of years. To do, uh, to do live betting. It's like half our lives. It yeah. is. Uh, sign up for BetUS.com. Sign up at BetUS.com uh, with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use the promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. And then play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah, absolutely. And you have some NFL playoffs to bet on. So get on there, get your sign up bonus for 125% and go ahead and win all sorts of dough on the NFL playoffs. And then you know what they should do with that dough? They should buy some of our merchandise that is up right. at InsideTheRink.com and uh, we'll get a little piece of that action. So uh, with all your winnings, blow it all on Bruins Benders Good. merchandise. That's why you get paid the big bucks. You are you are the talent. Yeah, that was an excellent segue. Thank you. Uh, yes, do do that. Go ahead and buy. Uh, if, if those of us, if, if we're on YouTube, I have my Bruins Benders hoodie. Yeah, and uh, receive a T-shirt as well. So uh, go ahead on to InsideTheRink.com and get some merch for yourself. Hey, the Bruins are back on a roll. And the weekend review is right now in January 6th. It started with the Minnesota Wild. And last week when we talked about what they had to do this this next coming week, we thought that this game was the game they had to get to get it going. <laughs> and this is the only game they didn't get. Right. It was a 3-2 to two loss at home. Boy, the officiating told a lot of the story. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said it well, but by saying that the game had no flow at all, and it must be a major coincidence how many times it happens with local guy Chris Rooney officiating. Uh, it was cringeworthy at times. The Bruins also looked like a team that played four games in six days at the time. Uh, but it was nice to see Taylor Hall score. Uh, the team missed Charlie McAvoy, who missed the game with injury, uh, as we thought they would. And the Wild were hungry after losing five in a row, but were depleted within the lineup. It was a disappointing loss all around for the Bruins. Yeah, it was disappointing. Like you said, the officiating was horrible. I mean, I I'm I usually don't like to blame the officials in games, and I'm usually I usually try to stay away from that. But man, when I was tweeting that game, I was pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. I was all over the officials from the beginning. And Chris Rooney, it, I, I mean, he goes like so far out of his way 
to show that he's not a South Boston guy. He's not a local homer that he just sticks it to the Bruins every chance he gets. Uh, so that was terrible. Two five on threes called multiple penalties at the same time for both teams in that period. I mean, yeah. it was, it was ridiculous. Uh, I've never seen that before. Uh, Boston gets their first uh, on a power play from Hall. Uh, Minnesota got theirs. Uh, they got a couple goals on that uh, five on three, and they led two one at the end of one. You could really see the difference uh, with McAvoy not there in the Bruins decor because they struggled getting the puck out of their zone. Um, they had problems with that uh, all game, really. Um, and then they had the the hit by Frederick on uh, Kaprizov. You know the Minnesota the Minnesota fans went mental with that. Um, they did, and it, to me, it was really kind of a nothing play. I mean, he was kind of falling already, and Freddie looked like he kind of let up a little bit. He didn't full steam him into the boards because it would have been suspension worthy, in my opinion, if he had done sure. that. And he and he kind of pulled up, and it it really. I mean, I feel I felt like a two minute penalty there was actually warranted. It was kind of, it was a little bit reckless, but he but he didn't try to hurt him. So uh, that happened, and then, uh, you know, there really wasn't anything, you know, other than that that was outstanding about the game. You know, like you said, the Bruins lose 3-2 in a tough one. Um, You know, they made a charge in the third to try to get back in the game, but uh, eventually losing to, you know, a pretty good wild team. Uh, Oh, and the the, the one other thing was uh, local boy Matt Boldy, um, you know, from uh, Millis, Scores uh, in his NHL de- debut against the Bruins at home, which was a nice moment for him uh, on a real nice give and go play, uh, and he got the eventual game winner in that. So, yeah, and he had a lot of family there, and yeah, uh, their reaction on going across Twitter was was great when he scored, and it was nice to see Boldy get into his uh, NHL debut. The he's the last of the top twenty in that draft. I think it was 2019 the last of the top 20 to play in the NHL. So all 20 in the top 20 have already played in the NHL, which is a pretty good draft. If you yeah. ask me. I think that was the, uh, it was, a, it was, yeah, it was 19, I think when he was drafted. Uh, so then they go on to January 8th at Tampa Bay. And now you think, okay, they lose a tough one with poor officiating. And here we go. Tampa Bay and Washington back to back, um, you know, on the road, couple of the top teams in the Eastern conference and lo and behold, it's a statement game for the Bruins. Uh, fortunate to get a bounce or two early score early. Uh, but they also made their own luck. They played really well. They played the way they have been in the past, uh, held off a charge from a very good team on the road in the third, but this is more like it. Vakanainen and Steen are contributing to this point. And the line shifting continues to produce dividends, especially on the five on five. It was a it was a really good win against Tampa Bay on the road. I thought it was their best win of the season. Uh, no McAvoy, Kucherov's back in for the Lightning, who were pretty much at full strength. Uh, they did have a couple of lucky bounces early, but you know, and that certainly helped propel them and and get them kind of engaged in the game. Um, bleed and Vakanine step into the lineup and they both contributed. Steen continues to play well. Um, they're getting production up and down the lineup. I mean, that's really what you're looking for since they've made these, these line tweaks, they've scored a lot of goals. Most of them at, at five on five, the power play really is the only thing in this little hot stretch for the bees that, that hasn't really been clicking. 
honestly. Yeah, and it's funny. It's flipped. It, yeah. It was, it was it was power play for a while that obviously carried them for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And and they weren't a very good 5-1-5 team at all. And now that they've been much better on 5-1-5, the power play has lacked. Yeah, so the Lightning make a push in the third, as, as you would expect a good team to do. But the Bruins weathered the storm. And then, uh, you know, Marchand scores the empty net goal late to seal it. So a, a real, real nice win uh, coming off that, that wild loss. Yeah, no, no question. And then on to January 10th at Washington, another nemesis of the Bruins haven't played well in Washington in the past and they get down early to nothing to say, okay, here it is now another, you know, up and down Bruins team for much of the year. This is where they take an L on the road. It was, it all included a bad turnover by Matt Grizzlick, who just handed it to Sherry for a goal. And it really didn't look good at all early. But the Bruins storm back after Marshan gets high stick, the four minute, uh, four minute penalty uh, breaks his nose. Yeah. He's a, you know, blood everywhere. Uh, and the Bruins storm back, and the offense continues to click. Um, they get, they get uh, just a flurry of goals and win it seven to three on the road. So really good back-to-back wins against top Eastern conference teams. And both teams have been nemeses for the Bruins. Absolutely. They, they both have, uh, especially when, when, um, Hopi was in net for Washington. <laughs> it seemed like the Bruins couldn't, oh, yeah. couldn't beat no, him to Hobie. save, save yeah. their lives. Uh, yeah, th- this was a tough start from Omar. He was shaky early. Uh, the first goal, you know, off the backboards, goes kind of through him as he's trying to cover it right to Sherry in front who just backhands it in. And then the second one, you can't fault him because Grizzly, I mean, it was basically a tape to tape for a one timer that he just yeah. rockets over his shoulder. Uh, so they oh, got down yeah. early. Uh, the four minute high stick, you know, definitely turned the tide there because that got the bees back into the game. Um, Marchand, after getting his nose broken, you know, assists on pastas and then scores his own. Uh, they tie it, and they and then they go on to score the next six, uh, mm-hmm. and really just took control of the game from there. Um, and there really weren't many too too many good chances for Washington. You know, after that, the Bruins kind of locked it down and played a good, solid road game against a you know a really good Washington team. And um, they've you know five and one in their last six, twenty eight goals scored, twenty four at even strength. 16 different goal scorers. I mean, it's been a different team since the COVID pause, basically. It has. And now that the schedule is in a little bit more of a rhythm and you get those, you know, a game and a day off and a game, and now you're starting to get your feet under you. And it looks like, I think, a combination of many things. COVID, obviously, and the schedule makers weren't great uh, in the Bruins' favor, too. So now <clears throat> that the schedule is better, and more of a rhythm, more of a normal schedule, I think, that the Bruins are now, you know, starting to click some. And then it, it culminated with tonight's win, a 5-1 win against the rival Habs. Uh, it was a good game against a bad team. You know, the Montreal Canadiens have really hit the skids in the cellar of the league, really. Seven wins all year long. Uh, just 24 losses. Like, just really have been terrible after making it to the Stanley Cup final. It's just... It's just crazy how much they've fallen off. And it's not just, I, I've seen people on Twitter say, well, Carey Price and Carey Price. It's not just Carey Price. The team is just really, really bad and in a bad way. And the Bruins took control, never looked back. Brad Marchand, a, a hat trick. Now he's, he's just on fire since that broken nose incident. He's playing great hockey. It was nice to see Euro back in line and get his first NHL goal. It was a, sort of a bad goal. I think it was sort of six-hole-ish. But it was, uh, but hey, it's, it's in the net. In fact, it's been good. 
And hopefully he's sort of been written off by Bruins fans and haven't heard much from the organization about him and in the media about him and sort of almost was cast away as a guy that maybe won't ever be what they thought, but Hey, he's played pretty well. And if they can salvage, he's only 23 years old still. So there's time for Vac, you know, to, to hit his stride and, and find a role in the NHL. And he's done well so far and, and, and kudos to him. And now the Bruins have won three in a row. They're playing extremely well. This is more like the team we've seen in recent years. And the Bruins now have won six of seven and 33 goals in that stretch. So they've been just really, really good offensively. And, and they're clicking all four lines. The defense is jumping in with, with points and goals. So it's really been a good stretch for them. Yeah, they took care of business. Uh, they still had a little bit of a sleepy start, which still kind of bugs me a little bit. They... You know, both teams, I mean, it was like dead silent in there. Like, you know, Montreal was pretty good through the neutral zone in the beginning of the game. So, uh, you know, a little bit of of a sleepy start. And then, you know, and then Marshawn just, you know, puts it, takes it upon himself to to get the team going. And, um, you know, they go they go on from there. Um, And then the the game got a little bit of a, a nastiness you know, to it as the, as the game wore on, which I, which I like to see in an original six game like that. Eric Holla was feisty as hell. You know, he takes a headbutt from Weidman and then, you know, goes on to beat the bag out of him. And then a little later in the game, he's trying to fight somebody. Um, so that was nice to see. I, I, I like, I like a feisty Eric Holla to go along with Hall and Pasternak there on the second line. Um, Pizzotta was uh, pesky from Montreal, had a big hit on Grizzlick, scored their only goal of the game. Uh, the Bruins had a nice response to that, though, I thought. You know, Bergeron kind of took him and jammed his head into the ice, and, and uh, you know, they were kind of trying to run him a little bit after that. Kylo tried to fight with him, and I, he turned him down for some reason. He's supposed to be kind of mm-hmm. a fighter, energy, tough guy, and he came off kind of like a pussy. If I mean, if you're not going to fight Brandon <laughs> Kylo, I mean, for crying right. out loud. I mean, I some Montreal fan chirped me in the on Twitter and was like, "He's fought Reeves and so who some some other guy." I'm like, he turned down Brandon Kylo. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Right, right. Kylo wanted right. to go with him and they he didn't. So I don't know what to say. Uh, maybe yeah, he thinks you, he's. A, you would think it's five to one, you know, against a rival, and you're terrible that you go there. Right. I mean, think. maybe he thinks he's a goal scorer now. I don't know. No. Um, anyways, it was nice to see uh, the fourth line chip in and Vac with his first goal. Uh, the only, uh, the only downside was John Moore left the game with an upper body. It was, uh, hit by Pizzetta, uh, kind of gave him a shove into the boards when the puck was long gone and he looked like he might've hit his head off the glass. So that could be something to watch. Moore's had a little bit of a concussion history in the past. So, um, might be time for Sean to step back in because they're a little short on D right now with Clifton and Forbert, both in, uh, COVID protocols. So We'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night, but it looks like, uh, I, you know, we'll see if more can go. But um, that was really the only downside uh, off a really nice win. You know, I we for a while, we thought that we were worried about the defense, obviously. After McAvoy and maybe Carlo and Grizzlick, really shaky, didn't really know what we had, you know, what the Bruins had there. But now they've developed some nice depth. You know, they've, you know, Zaboro played well. Of course, he got hurt. You know, Vac, if Vac and Anik could step in, Ashan stepped in and did well in his brief time there, you know, and with four board and, 
in, in Clifton out, at least you can go to a couple of guys who can spell them and, and step in. So I guess, you know, out of nowhere, they've created a little bit of depth on defense. I don't know how great it is over the time. And of course, I think they still need another blue liner, especially, you know, maybe top four defensemen, but at least they do, do have enough depth there now to, to fill in some gaps and to, you know, fill in for guys who are either have in COVID protocol, like you said, or when they get dinged up a little bit. So they have a few now and, and hopefully it'll continue for them. Yeah. I thought, uh, um, I thought Riley's been better lately too. I think he's been more assertive both physically and, um, you know, kind of offensively, you know, whether it's rushing the puck or being a little more decisive with his first passes and a little harder on pucks and so forth. So it, that's a good turn of events too, because, um, right now he's, he's in the top four. So, um, you know, you'd, you'd like, you'd like to see him, uh, playing better. Like you said, I agree with you though. I think they, they should be in search for a top four D to kind of slot in there. And then I think everybody would be more in the correct roles. Right. And maybe some of the people who have, who have stepped in here, maybe they showcased themselves a bit and maybe they've increased their value just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Sweeney can point to them and say, Hey, when they filled in here, they did this when they, you know, they filled in for this amount of time, they chipped a goal in here you know, maybe he has something to, to use there, some leverage and, and maybe some more pieces to add and more assets to add in a trade. Uh, all right. Time now for seven chirps where we answer seven burning questions about the Bruins. And number one, David Krejci recently mentioned that he rarely played with pasta and Bruce Cassidy told him there was never a reason to. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I mean, Krejci, of course he wants to play with pasta. I mean, I think Cassidy said this too. Like, everybody wants to play with pasta. Why wouldn't you want to play with pasta? Which, all that part I get. Cassidy's saying that I'm, you know... I'm why there wasn't a reason to that part. I don't really, I don't really get that part because (laughs) you know, (laughs) there is a reason to, and you're seeing it right now. If you balance Mm -hmm. the scoring more, then you can't load up, you know, the first, the teams, the other teams top D pair against your best line. If you spread it out more, they have to choose, you know, do I put the top D pair out against Bergeron and Marchand or do I put it out against pasta and hall? You know, mm-hmm. you make a team have to choose or, you know, you can exploit a worse defensive pair with one of your top two lines. So sure. um, the fact that he hasn't done it until this point, a little bit stubborn, you know, he's taking a shot back at Krejci, who's taking a little bit of a shot at him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't love any of that, really. Um, yeah. He probably could have, Cassidy probably could have handled that a little bit better, I think. Um, but, you know. Who wouldn't want to play with pasta? I would want to play with pasta. Well, sure, sure. <laughs> and, then, and then I heard Cassidy. I think it was today. Say that you know everybody likes to play with Cassidy, or, or everybody likes to play with pasta, or maybe they like to play with pasta too. Like he was just listing off guys. Yeah, and I I'm with you. You know, look, I I like Bruce Cassidy, and I think he's done a good job. And, and again, this turnaround they've had now it speaks to pretty good coaching. I mean, he's done a good job overall. Uh, there have been some, you know, it has been some talk recently about how he has talked to certain players and, and he gets a little stubborn and that type of thing, but we like him because he says what he, what he feels like he, we, we like the fact that he will just say things. It's kind of refreshing when it comes to, 
to coaches nowadays. He'll say what's on his mind. And we like that about him. Yeah. I, I don't, but in this case, I don't think he, I think he could have just avoided this. You know what I mean? And David Krejci is not a guy who said a ton. You know, I, I, you know, how, how much has he said in 15 years? Like not a loss. Right. So for him to come out and say anything like that was kind of odd. And it was, it almost showed me that David Krejci finally just got fed up and said, I'll go to Czech Republic now. Like it, it almost, it almost leads me to believe that he may have stayed a year or two longer if he thought he had some line mates he could play with. I don't know. It was just, it's just weird. Like yeah, the whole thing was kind of strange and the timing was kind of strange. So I, you know, I, I think he probably should have gone away from the, from the perfection line, the top line a few times more than he did when, when he had Krejci here and he should have given Krejci Pasternak at times more often, but now it's water under the bridge. So I don't, you know, let's, um, Right now he's doing it. It's paying dividends. Um, but he's also doing it because he doesn't have a true number two center. So that's the other thing. I mean, maybe Cassidy at the time thought, look, David, you're a good enough player. You're a top, two, you know, you're a really good number two center. You should be able to carry that line. Maybe that's why he thought that. But, you know, right now it's water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Um and now more piling on comments from David Backus regarding Cassidy and rumors about calling out players and, you know, just sort of the whole thing. Is it concerning? Is it something that maybe the players are get a little, you know, just get a little fed up with, you know, being spoken to and in, in Cassidy's, you know, sort of the way he speaks and his mind when he feels it. Yeah, I mean, there there probably is a little bit of a of something there with that, but I personally, I don't really see a problem with how Cassidy handles it. I'm sure he says it to the players themselves, uh, whether it's before he goes out to the podium or if he was, you know, after after he talks. I'm sure he. I'm. I I can't imagine with the way his personality is that the the players aren't getting that same message that he's delivering to the media. So, I mean, to me, it's really a non-issue. Now, the David Backus thing, you know, I don't know if it was Cassidy or Sweeney, really, who I guess Sweeney brought Backus in, but Cassidy didn't really want to play him the way that Backus wanted to be played or the Mm -hmm. way he thought he should be utilized. So I guess that falls on Cassidy to a certain extent, but if if your coach coaches a certain way, why are you bringing in players that don't fit the way that your coach coaches? Right. So uh, why why are you trading for or why are you you know getting a guy in free agency and giving him a fairly big contract if you know you're you and the coach don't see eye to eye on that? Like that that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I I agree, and I think that that was part of it. Like David Backus was so, was on his last legs, and it was it was evident pretty soon after he got here. Now he brought a lot to the table, but here's the other thing about it. Like again, like if you're David Backus, what do you have to gain to say that? You know what I mean? Like what? Look, you were at the end of the line. It was obvious. Like, and he he had some value here. He. You know, he was a leader in the room and he was, you know, he, he did some nice things at times, but 
he was done. He was near the end and they gave him a ton of money. It was a bad contract. It was a bad signing for what it, for what it was. He was in a bad fit on a team that moves the puck North and South and he can't get it going. So that's, that's sort of, you know, they put him in a bad spot by signing him, but he, he signed here and Cassidy plays a certain way. But what do you really have to gain by saying something like that now? It almost seems petty because in the grand scheme of things, David, and I like David Backus a lot. Me too. But at the, at the end of the day, you, you were what you were, dude. It wasn't Bruce Cassidy's fault. You know, it, it, he, they play a certain style. It's worked, you know, largely mm-hmm. over time. It's worked, and you didn't work here. So it, it almost makes him look a little foolish. Yeah, I think he anything like that. I think he thinks he could have probably chipped in more offensively or something like that. And I think that's probably he's just putting that out there to kind of like the fans and so forth of him saying, you know, if they had let me play the want the way I wanted to play, it wouldn't have ended like that. Like I would have been better than what I showed. I think it's kind of more of a pride thing. Um, right personally that's that's my take on it but yeah well, i mean okay david like I, right like, but I, it, I, but like you said I it, 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 it yeah i mean it doesn't really it doesn't matter at all like it's over no. and done with like right you don't need to say it now right and it seemed to be a little bit of it just seemed to be a little bit of piling on to bruce cassidy in the last month mm. of course now you won't hear about much about it because it's they're winning a bunch right and you won't hear it again but once they start to slide again you'll hear more stuff yeah and that's usually the telltale sign that it's getting closer and closer to moving on from him. If it keeps, if that roller coaster keeps going. Um, okay. Number three, and we touched on it was Trent Frederick's hit on Kaprizov dirty. And you mentioned that you thought it was a two minute minor. You mentioned that he, he held up a bit and here's the thing. I, I kind of agree. And we had a poll we'll talk about later where we tagged, um, we were hashtagged <laughs> the Minnesota wilds and it got a little nutty. Um, we'll talk about that later, but I, I think here's the thing. I don't think the hit was all that harsh because like you said, he kind of held up a bit. He was already falling. It was awkward. The whole thing was awkward. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem I had with this is that Frederick about six strides ago thought he was going to hit the guy. Like the puck was sitting right there. He was already engaged with another guy. To me, it was stupid because it was just him. Tar- he he kind of targeted a guy, not in a way that he thinks is going to hurt anybody, but he targeted him saying six strides ago, I'm hitting this guy no matter what. And the puck sitting there where he could have just, you know, spun his hips a bit, grabbed the puck and gone the other way. He had no regard for the puck. And that's the issue I had with the hit is that that's why it created this shitstorm with people is because the puck is laying there and he makes no play on it. And he's already engaged Cap, uh, Kaprizov with another guy. So he comes in a little bit later and just hits him without any regard for the puck. And that's, that's the problem I have with it is that the way it was done, just put him in a bad spot because now people can say, well, he targeted him. He didn't even play the puck, which he didn't. So he should play the puck. You know what I mean? So it's an interference call for sure or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, they Rough, gave him boarding. Whatever. Boarding. Yeah. I don't even think it was a board. I think it was more of an interference type of thing. He didn't play the puck. 
Right. And the guy didn't have a puck. To me, on on that particular play, like if that's Brad Marchand coming in to get it, yeah, take the puck and go. But I mean, right. with a guy like Frederick, like his hands are stone. So like, yeah. I I actually I want him to target the other team's best players. I mean, what the fuck else is he out there to do anyways? He's just he's, he's he yeah, he's he just doesn't provide offense. anything offensively. No. He's just no. out there to hit and agitate. And if that can if that can you know make Kaprizov think twice. Sure. Right. By all means. I mean, the hit, though, was, like you said, it wasn't the smartest thing. Like, he did decide that he was going to hit him well before he got there. And he was committed to the hit before uh, Kaprizov started to fall. Grizzly kind of, you know, got tangled up with him and he starts to fall and he was committed and he did kind of hold up and then kind of bump him. Uh, But, I mean, to me, you want your third or fourth line guys hitting the other team's best players. People do it to Marchand all the time. They the time. they targeted Bergeron in the game the other day. Some guy went in, you know, really high. Oh, it was the Predators game. Yeah, the Predators when, in Nashville yeah. targeted Bergeron a couple of times. Right. And it was Frederick who people were on, like, why isn't he? Why, why isn't, isn't he, he doing anything? Right. Right. So, so now he becomes that guy. And you're right. Maybe if there's a little more edge to it where he sort of toes the line, then maybe there's a little intimidation factor there. He needs to play. You got to win some fights though. Yeah. (laughs) He needs (laughs) to play more on the line. Like he can't just be out there skating around. Like I feel like bleed plays more on the line than Frederick does. He's kind of aggravating and agitating. He ripped the guy's helmet off tonight. And then the guy got a penalty because he tried to defend after he tore his helmet off. Right. He's in the mix. He's feisty. He's mixing it up. Steen does that too. Lazar does it. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, they should teach Frederick how to do it, but maybe he's just, so. maybe he's just not fast enough to get there. I mean, that's no, another I thing. Think it was, I think it was Ty Anderson who tweeted out. I think you're giving friend Frederick skating too much credit <laughs> yes. that he could stop on a dime. And right. Turn around. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. True. Uh, number four Bruins and wild highest rated game on ESPN since opening night. Uh, Joe Haggerty says it's because fans want nasty hockey. Uh, is that really why? I think it's more so that there was no Thursday night football. <laughs> <laughs> I 100% it was because it was no Thursday night football. Right. They didn't tune right. into that game and be like, oh, you know, these guys are getting after it. You wouldn't tune into a Bruins wild game expecting right. nasty hockey. That's going to happen. Yeah. Right. You have right. no idea that's going to happen. You're watching the no. game and then it happens. You don't, right. you don't say beforehand, oh, this is going to be a nasty game. Let's all watch. No, it's right. because, you know, the Broncos weren't playing the Ravens on fucking Thursday. Right. Like, who gives a... That's right. Yeah. They were looking... They were searching for some sports. <laughs> right. Uh, on the national network. Yeah. And they found the Bruins and Wild. And it's not like people were in the second period, like, calling their buddies, like, hey, tune into the Wild Bruins game. It's getting <laughs> nasty. It's getting chippy. Like, for God's sakes. Like, I, I don't... I mean, what in the world? If you thought for one second about that comment before you made it, you would you would you would filter yourself. Like that's nothing. <laughs> it there's no bearing the nastiness at any part of that game. There's no bearing on the viewership. It, it, as you said, people would have to tune in blindly, not thinking that the Wild and Bruins were going to be rivalry nights. Yeah, Bruins Wilds. Yeah, Gong Show. Because, you know, they haven't played for two and a half years. So, you know, it's going to be a wild one. Come on. Oh, boy. Get out of here. No, thanks. (laughs) Uh, All right. Number five, Tuka Rask returns, signs a one-year, $1 million contract, prorated. It's $545,000 for the rest of the year. 
And some Bud Lights. Yeah, he, he wanted, wanted the Bud to, Lights. Uh, Did you see yeah, that Bud Light Bud tweeted Lights. out uh, the very, very official contract they tweeted out on Twitter? Yeah, they tweeted out the contract. Yeah. It was really great. Really, really great really stuff. Great. Uh, and they were going to give him, I guess, a shutout. They were going to give him a ton of beer or something. Yeah. Shutout Shutouts for one. beers and, and signing with the Bruins, beers and just beers all around. But, but you, you know, what do you, I told, I tweeted out, I said, first beers on me, Tooks, but I'm, I'm right. taking you to Lops Brewing. I'm giving you the Absolutely. good stuff. Giving you the good stuff. stuff. Yeah, you don't yeah, need you know do an upgrade. Yeah, you don't need this Bud Light stuff. Light. We'll give you yeah. we'll give you the good stuff. First yeah, beers on absolutely. me. We'll get we'll get. The, in fact, beers on me all night. If Tukes wants yeah. to come hang out at Lops Brewing with me. Beers all night all on night. me. Yeah, we'll all take night all long. The money from the merch. <laughs> yeah, we'll go over to Lops Brewing. That's right. <laughs> we'll buy him some beer. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get some uh, flights. We'll try them all. That's right. He'll get the start on January thirteenth against the Flyers at home. So we'll see how Tukes his return, uh, how that goes. Uh, you know, Lena Salmark is now, uh, well, I guess he's a starter currently with Tuka Rask as the backup, but Jeremy Swayman, the number six, Jeremy Swain was disappointed and asked to have the net with if, when, and if the goalie struggle at all, is it a risk to upset the supposed goalie of the future? How do you feel about the whole way they handle this? I don't think they handled it great, honestly. No, I don't think so either. I don't think they handled no. it great. Uh, I I like Swayman's comments, though, saying asking if it's my net if those guys struggle. That's what you want him to say. He, wa- he wants to play. He was pissed, and he wants to yeah. play, and I agree with him. I do think he has more to work on, but I, I really think the Bruins could have handled it better. I don't really think Sweeney did a very good job of the whole situation just from the very beginning. Like, why right. are you giving Olmark this kind of contract if, mm-hmm. you know, you expect Tuka to come back? Now you have kind of a weird situation with three guys. We've said, what's going to happen if three guys are there and they're all kind of playing well, which is what's happening. They're all kind of playing well. Swayman gets the short end of the stick because he can go down without waivers. I guess that's, it is what it is, you know? You got to go down because you're the guy who we can pass through waivers and and not lose you all. So yeah. that's what happens. But I, I didn't think it was handled real well from the be- from the beginning. Like, like I, I get it. You don't want to go in with a rookie tandem if you think you're a cup contender or want to get there for this core. I, I get that. Like it's hard. It's a hard sell for the team for the core group. I get it. Okay, but here's the thing: you weren't signing Braden Holtby. We weren't signing Mark Andre Fleury or a guy who had cups or a guy who was a veteran who really had a track record of, of really carrying teams at times. You were signing Linus Almark from a shitty team like that performed pretty well for a shitty team, but still a shitty team. And he's still unproven. And again, now he comes in and he, he's been okay. Like he's been up and down. So, and Swayman's been same up and down. So Look, if you knew, thought that Rask, and it seemed as though from the beginning, they, they, from the beginning, they kept the door open for Rask and thought that he would come back. Now, I know with the hip surgery, anything can happen. You could be left hanging out to dry. I get that. And some people were saying that's why they did it. But for God's sakes, again, a one-year deal for a guy who's won cups, maybe one, one foot out the door, but one last go of it with a good team. I get that part, but four years, five million from an unproven goalie, to me, is not much different than putting a rookie tandem out there. It just isn't. So I, I don't know why you put that much term and 
and value on a guy who's pretty much largely unproven. And then I don't like the way Allmark handled it when he knew Rask was coming back. He didn't play that well. Like, it wasn't like he grabbed the, the, the job and said, you're not taking it from me. He didn't do that. Neither one of them did. So that's that was concerning, too, to me. I thought Swayman was playing better than Allmark was at the time where there were rumblings about Rask. So right. I like to see that from Swayman. He is one five and one against playoff teams, which he is, is yeah. part of the part of the thing that I I feel like he can go down there and work on some things. His rebound control isn't great. Sometimes when the Bruins are carrying the play and they come down the other end and they need a big save, you know, he doesn't give it to him. That's kind of a focus mm-hmm. thing, I feel like. Like Tuca's pretty good at that where if the Bruins are carrying yes. the play and the other team comes in on a breakaway or two on one. He'll give you a big save when you need it. Even if, even if the other team only has four shots or something like that, you know, the Bruins are out shooting them 13, four come down on a two on one and he gives you a big save. You know, there's some things in Swayman's game he needs to work on, but, but he's definitely the goalie of the future. I, I hope certainly. Yeah. I, I, and I, boy, if I'm the Bruins, I hope he is too. Um, and Tuka Rask again, I think you're seeing now just how easy he made the game look when he was really on. Like he made it look easy, almost to the point where fans don't understand how good he was because of how easy and sort of a, a nonchalant kind of in the zone kind of style he had in his personality. They just don't get just how friggin' good he is, really. Um, okay, number seven, can you include? Linus Almark in a deal. He does have a no movement clause for a couple of years, I think. Uh, and if so, does he bring enough value in return to really get yourself a hockey trade? I think you could include him in a deal if he'll waive his no move. But mm-hmm. are you going to be able to send them to the team you want to send them to? Right. The Bruins, you know, you've heard rumblings about Jacob Chikrin from... Arizona like is he gonna mm-hmm. wave to go to Arizona Arizona fucking blows, oh, yeah, blows. so he's he's, he's that again right with, like Buffalo and they yeah. were terrible so like, he's yeah. not going there like he just won't no. he'll just be like fuck no. you guys no, no thanks right. so I don't know if you can I mean I think he has enough value because he's starting to play a little bit better so yeah. you know a team that's goaltender hungry like Edmonton maybe I don't know who, mm-hmm. who you would get there it's possible you could include him and another piece and get something fairly good, but it all comes down to whether or not he'll waive the no move. And then, you know, Taylor Hall kind of pulled that with Buffalo, forced his way to Boston because of the no move. So right. maybe you don't get as much value as you would as you would hope because he has that and can can nix and kind of point yeah. to where he goes. So Right. Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I guess you have to see how Tuca does. I'm sure he'll do fine. So you have Tuca and Allmark. I guess it's not a bad problem to have to have a couple of, you know, one and one A type of goalies uh, for the stretch run. Tuca's not going to be able to play a ton. He hasn't played in so long. So he's going to need some some time off. They're going to need to share it uh, for a stretch anyway. And then until you get to the postseason and decide what you're going to do. Um, for the next season, I guess it's good to have Allmark and, and Swayman again, but then you get into next season, and if Swayman really wants to be the number one, you got all market five million a year. Mm-hmm. You run into the same problem again. Like it, you know, you you basically have told Swayman, we we have this guy for four years. So for three more years, they have all mark, and Swayman's the young guy. He's gonna have to wait three more years to be the number one. Like, 
then then is he really now is he going to get really pissed like yeah i mean problem there he they have he has the no move for a couple years so maybe it's more like really like a two-year deal and then they can get out then they move it and move them and and swayman's you know swayman can assume it in in two years so you know there's an opportunity if there swayman plays well to to kind of seize the job and and right. you know the Bruins could either move on from Allmark or you know have him as a backup, expensive backup, but as a backup. Right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, all right, time now for the Whipping Boys segment. All right, Trent Frederick is my whipping boy at two fights against the Wild. He had that questionable hit that caused one of them. He was a talk of Twitter in the NHL for a few days there. Um, he left the Caps game with an injury, has not been back, did not return, has been out of the lineup since, should miss also the Flyers game uh, on the 13th and then potentially be back after that. So not much, not much from Trent other than a little bit of shit-stirring. Yeah, he <laughs> he uh, he beat up the first guy who challenged him uh, right, right after the Kaprizov hit. I don't remember who that was, but then Marcus Foligno really tuned him up. Like, oh my god, he, he tuned him. He, up. he beat the bag out of him pretty good. He did. <laughs> so uh, my whipping boy is Connor Clifton. He was uh, a minus player against the Wilds. He <laughs> minus one. Uh, he had <laughs> no points, no assists, nothing against uh tampa and then uh went into covid so uh, congratulations to connor for not really doing much of anything on the ice for a goal against but uh yeah not not a real eventful week and uh they're winning without him in the lineup so hopefully it stays that way yeah i think they call that addition by subtraction uh, with connor clifton so he he will be out for a bit along with Derek forward so hopefully they'll be back uh, at least to provide like the uh, aforementioned depth on the blue line. Uh, and it is now time for beauties and benders. We talk about our three beauties, three top performers of the week and three not so great performers of the week. And I'll begin with my beauties. Number three is Matt Grizzlick, who had that five point night. He's only one of three defensemen in Bruins history. I think it was right. Bork did it a couple of times. Well, Bobby Orr's done it a shitload of times. Orr's done it a million times. Orr's had 10 five-point games. Orr's had 10 five-point games. And then Bork's had three, I thought I saw. Or something like that. There was a couple other guys who I think maybe Wesley. Glenn Wesley. Glenn Wesley had a six-point night. Yeah. Uh, So so Grizz had five-point night, and he's been playing much better. Of course, he had that giveaway to Sherry, but then he turned it into a five-point night. Number two, David Parsonak starting to... Starting to get it going. And just as Bruce Cassidy had mentioned, he thought he'd see David Parsonak hit his stride just after the COVID protocol. And he was right. I mean, Parsonak has been much more assertive offensively and much more noticeable. And, of course, he and Taylor Hall like to play with you know, with each other on that, on that line. And they're doing a, a great job of developing some chemistry. And it'll just make the team – it already has made the team better – specifically uh, five on five. And then number one is Brad Marchand. And he has just been terrific. He had a hat trick tonight. He had another shorthanded goal as he climbs up the chart all time with shorthanded goals. 
uh, he is just, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an elite player. And he is now back to, he's missed, I think, a total of nine games overall when it comes to suspension and, and other things that have happened. But Marchand's been so, so good, a great, great player, and he's playing it again at a high level. I would agree, 100%. So my three uh, beauties start with number three. Curtis Lazar has been uh, really good lately. Four points in his last two games. Had an assist the other day and then three points tonight. Almost had four, hit a post. He's been playing real well lately. That whole line's really been playing well. I saw mm-hmm. I saw some stat, I think they said during the game, that the fourth line has been on the ice for like 11 goals in like the last little bit here since they've been kind mm-hmm. of on this run. You wow. get that kind of production from the fourth line, you're, you're oh, wow. really playing well. So oh, yeah. he's number three. I have Brad Marchand number two. This week he had eight goals this week. So he had a goal, wow. ag- he had a goal against Minnesota, two, two, and three. So a little bit of a hot stretch there for Brad. He had uh, a shorty tonight too, his 33rd, which is uh, the franchise franchise high. And um, it was his fifth hat trick uh, of his career uh, tonight. And Mm -hmm. then number one, I have Matt Grizzlick for the five-point game against the Caps. First Bruin D to do it since uh, Ray Bork in 1994. And he's been playing a lot better. He had, uh, had an assist in another game this week, other than the Sherry turnover, he's starting to kind of turn the corner. Him playing with McAvoy, I think, has really opened his game up. And, um, you know, it's good to see because they, they're, they're going to need it going forward. Sure. Uh, all right, time now for the Benders. And my uh, three Benders, number three, NHL officiating. Face it, you're a neo maxi Zoom dweeby. And that is directed at Chris Roney. <laughs> Uh, because the the NFL the NHL officiating, you know, all officiating in all sports has just been bad. And and here's partly why is the you know is the video and the constant angles and the more camera angles and we see all the mistakes. So it's not like officiating is worse than it's ever been because it was probably just as bad back in the day. We just didn't see a million angles of things. Uh, but I will say that some of the some of the calls that are made in NHL games, some of the phantom penalties called are just unbelievable to me. Uh, and Chris Rooney had a terrible night uh, in the Wild Bruins game, and the officiating as a whole is just seems to get worse by the night. Uh, number two, Linus Allmark. Face it, you're a neo maxi zoom dweeby. You know, I thought he was better tonight. And he's been up and down and, you know, he, he gets into that. He doesn't make a save sometimes when the team kind of needs it. You know, he doesn't make a lot of sparkling sort of saves where you say, okay, sometimes he gets out of his net a little and off his angle a little. And uh, again, we've, we've watched Tuka Rask for so many years for almost 10 years of Tuka Rask. So it's now you see other goalies and you see that they're not quite as good as Rask was. Um, but he was better tonight and he is capable of, of putting together, you know, a couple of good games in a row. We just hopefully that stretches out now with Rask back, maybe he can settle into a backup role and be just a really dynamite backup for, for Rask, which would be great for the team. And then number one, Trent Frederick. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom Dweeby. A Zoom Dweeby, you know, Maxi Zoom Dweeby, and a Whipping Boy, all in one. <laughs> Trent Frederick uh, almost maimed a man and then <laughs> lost a fight to Marcus Foligno that he looked like 
he looked like Marvis Frazier against Larry Holmes. And it was, uh, he got his balls beat in and then, uh, he gets hurt. So Trent Frederick, not a great week at all. No, not, not really. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, my vendors this week, uh, number three, the Minnesota wild fans. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. That is a collective Zoom dweebies to all the wild fans who wow. were in our mentions for some reason. Uh, I don't, that's not for some reason. For the Frederick no. hit on Kaprizov, uh, they went a little overboard to say the least. They did. They uh, did. Calling for year long suspensions. And oh, yeah. I mean, the guy, was, the guy was pushed into the boards awkwardly. Uh, he's, he was back at practice today, so (laughs) maybe settle down a little bit. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number two bender is Connor Clifton. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. I'm doubling up to whipping boy and bender. (laughs) Um, yeah. Minus one, then nothing, then COVID. So congrats. Uh, and my number one, uh, benders are the NHL officials. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. And that too is directed at South Boston's own Chris Rooney. You know, maybe they shouldn't have a guy from here refing Bruins games. I'm just throwing maybe. that out there. Maybe you don't yeah. have a hometown guy refing the hometown team's games. Maybe you just don't do that. Maybe you schedule them for the other teams and not the team that he grew up watching. I don't know. It just seems like a conflict of interest to me. And now he's going so far the other way that it's ridiculous. I mean, it just is. And it's been that way for a long time. It happens all the time. Yeah. It happens. This is something that's happened like year after year. Yeah. Like it, like every time he's out there, we're like, Oh God, we're getting screwed tonight. Yeah. It's just, I mean, and typically, you know, I don't believe in the whole, like officials have any type of agenda against the team or whatever. Typically I don't like, typically they're bad both ways or they have a tough night or it all balances out in the end. I don't think it balances out with Chris Rooney. I don't. I think he, I think it's, he goes so far to the other side that it's almost to an unfair fair advantage to the Bruins. And I agree with you. Just, just have him avoid the whole frigging thing. I mean, it really is. Yeah, I mean, it really is a conflict of interest. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it at all. That'd be like a Montreal guy refing Canadians games. I'm sure it happens because it's. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of refs from Canada, but I, I I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's the way that you should go as a league. But what, what what the fuck do I know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's just keep having it happen. It's so so blatantly clear. Uh, You know, we'll keep it up though. Uh, All right, now time for the top seven Bruins Benders podcast power rankings. And and coming in at number seven, the Vegas Golden Knights, they dropped two spots. They were just five, three, and two in their last 10, but still hanging on to seven. I still wanted to put the Bruins in. I thought you were going to sneak the Bruins in. I I did. I thought they were going to sneak them in, but they're still at 40 points. And I think another good week here, and they they find find Pedro. Okay. Uh, Number six, uh, Nashville Predators. New to the top seven, and ever since they lost to the Bruins, they're eight one and one in their last ten, and they're first in the Central. And wow. really charging, Philip Forsberg is one of the most underrated players in the NHL, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, Toronto Maple Leafs, up a spot, six two and two in their last ten, still plugging along. Currently losing to the Arizona Coyotes, excellent one to nothing. 
So that's excellent. Uh, it's also really good to have on the background here. Washington is at number four. They dropped three spots because they're just four, three, and three in their last 10. They lose seven to three at home to Boston. Uh, so they dropped three spots. Number three, Carolina Hurricanes move up a spot, eight, one, and one in their last 10. And have been one of the really consistent teams in the league uh, so far this season. Number two, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're up a spot, tied for first in the Atlantic, six, three, and one in their last 10. And number one, the Florida Panthers, they're up a spot. They're tied for the Atlantic, first in the Atlantic, and they are 6-3-1 in their last 10. I feel like the the Hurricanes and the Panthers have been the most consistent teams front yeah. to back from the start of the season. Uh, Maple Leafs started slow and then came on, but really the Panthers and the Hurricanes have been the class of the league to this point, I would say. They have been, and they've been in the top four or five of this power rankings like all year long. So so. It's almost like we know what we're doing. That's, that's right. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, Bruins, Benders podcast power rankings, the bottom three. These are the worst <laughs> the teams yeah, the worst, in the league. Power. Uh, yeah. So number 30, the Seattle Kraken, one, seven, and two in their last 10. That's not very good, folks. No. So yeah, they're, they're down there at the bottom. The expansion team, that's what you would expect, I think. Right. Uh, your Arizona Coyotes, who are beating Toronto currently, Still only have 17 points on the year, and they are at number 31, 2 7 and 1 in their last 10, but looking to make it 3 6 and 1 in their last 10 if they Maybe. win tonight. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. And then uh, at number 32, yo, Montreal Canadiens, 2 7 and 1 in their last 10. Bruins spank them tonight. Mm-hmm. I heard Jonesy say on the broadcast, Montreal has two road wins all year. Okay. Wow. And, and, they have not won a game since December 12th. Oh, my God. That's over a month. Yeah. Well, it is a month. That's it exactly is. a month, actually. It is. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. uh, there you go. We're a team in the league. See ya. Fuck bags. Wow. And they have, of course, they only have seven wins all year. Two of them are on the road and five of them are at home. Yeah. But that's pretty bad. And it they're, is. They're, I mean, they're just, like, they just hit the 10. They just hit. I Boy, to have, a, to have a Stanley Cup run and really look like they were they were coming on like they had some, some down years and then they made a real charge last year. And you thought, yeah. okay, Montreal's going to be around a while now. Mm-hmm. And then, and then goodbye, like gone, like not even close like them. And the Islanders are the two that have crashed the hardest. I think they just have uh, gone the opposite way in hurry. Um, all right. So weekend ahead for the Bruins, January 13th versus the Flyers. Tuka Rask will make his debut January 15th versus Nashville. One of the real hot teams, mm-hmm. eight one and one in their last ten at home, and then on January eighteenth, Carolina Hurricanes, they are eight one and one in their last ten. So, so three tough ones at home. Of course, they are all at home, and having that Montreal game move to home on the twelfth gives the Bruins a real good run of home games there. Yeah, so it, that's it, good. It is. It is. It, I mean, it, this is going to be a tough stretch again. You know, you hope that they get that Flyers game because those next two are going to be right. real tough. So yeah. um, Nashville is going to be looking for payback from the Bruins, the game that Bruins beat them earlier in the year. That was a game Swayman played oh, right, extremely well. Right, right, like 40-something saves. Yeah, that's when they targeted the Bergeron. They Bergeron. Yeah, right. so that they, right. there could be some fireworks of that game because I think uh, right. I think the Bruins still aren't happy with Forsberg on that on that particular play and, and targeting no. Bergeron in that game. So, you know, if, if uh, Joe Hags wants some, wants some nastiness, 
maybe you should tune in on uh, on 115 against Nashville because <laughs> right, I right. think that would be the one to target. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that one you would know that they may be some nastiest from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag old time hockey there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Carolina Hurricanes, they beat the Bruins early on in the season at Carolina pretty easily. So, and they're very good. Mm-hmm. So it will be a tough stretch for sure, but hopefully the Bruins will keep it going. All right. We had a Bruins Benders poll that we mentioned earlier today. And it was coach Dean Everson said that Trent Frederick's hit on Kirill Kaprizov, Kaprizov was predatory quotation marks. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? 226 votes crushing the uh, previous record yeah. that we've had on polls before. Uh, a lot of wild fans chimed in. Mostly wild well, mostly fans. Mostly wild fans, really, because predatory came in at 57%, yeah. which is fairly absurd. And then just hockey was, the, was another choice, yeah. 21%. And then a two-minute minor only, as we've discussed, yeah. was 22%. So 57% of the 226 votes. So you figure roughly 150 votes. Yeah, so so 150 wild fans were on right. <laughs> And then yes. the rest of the Bruins fans said it was either just hockey or a two-minute minor. And those right. are the people who actually can see it without, you know, green and gold right. and red colored glasses. Right, right. So as we, so as we have, as we have uh, tweeted out this episode when it does come out, we will hashtag Minnesota Wild again and say that to come on and listen and listen to our opinion. And our opinion is, hey, you know, stupid play, two-minute minor for interference or roughing or whatever you want to call it, dry humping to the boards, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but other than that, you know, Kaprizov is back. He's, you know, it's a miracle. He's, he's healthy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can all simmer down. And uh, they won the game, the Wild, so they can't be too pissed off about it. So, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great hit, but it wasn't uh, a year suspension. And in fact, a year suspension wouldn't be the worst penalty <laughs> for Trent Frederick in my mind. Like, you know, you were kind of hoping he got suspended, right? Yeah, I don't know what I'm arguing about, <laughs> but take him for a year. Like Jesus. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't nearly as predatory or ugly or suspendable. As people think, no, he so, didn't even get a hearing right. with player safety, as far as I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't. So, no, I, mean, I mean, settle down. I mean, it was yeah. He he let up some, and I mean, not that not that player safety gets it right all the time because they certainly no. don't. But no. Uh, yeah, no, not even a hearing uh, or a fine I mean, or nothing. Wanna, yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. I mean, I mean, fine or anything. He didn't get yeah. anything. There was no talk of it. No. All right. You want to rate and review. And we will submit to charity. We did have a new review, a uh, new rating this week. So we will donate some money to the Bruins Foundation for every rate and review on Apple or any rating that you give us on Spotify. We got one this week. So thanks so much for that. We also appreciate everyone who listened this past week. It was our best episode yet as far as listenership. We had a ton of listeners in Canada. So, so happy. So uh, welcome to all our Canadian friends. Some people in Sweden, uh, some yeah, uh, Sweden, Bo- Bosnia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Bosnia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some yeah, Bosnians. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we we yeah. were all over the map. Yeah, Bruins Spenders worldwide. Buy yeah, some merch in uh, in Canada oh, and, yes. and Japan. So you'll have like a, a unique collector's item. Yeah, it'll be a walking billboard for us out there in the harsh winter of Bosnia and <laughs> and. Erosnia or whatever that was. Segova? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Is he, I've is heard he of a that forward play. for the Sacramento Kings? I think he might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks so much, everyone, for uh, for tuning in. We hope we continue to do so. 
Um, and thanks to inside the rink.com. It's been a real success even early on here and joining the network. We appreciate betus.com and also of course, Lops Brewing, our fine sponsors. We appreciate everyone listening. Have a great week, everyone. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.